Uh, we have no extra announcements today. Um, one thing I did before I, I got sick, I prepared a Bible study on the, on the O antiphons, on the O antiphons, and, um, and the O antiphons. How many of you are very familiar with the O antiphons? I noticed they said the word very. How many of you don't know what I'm talking about at all? Okay, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Well, um, we have a hymn called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And actually, um, in the early church, well, maybe not, not early church, this develops over time, um, in anticipation of Christmas, so Christmas was established, you now, as you approach Christmas, the theme of Advent now shifts. It shifts towards the incarnation of our Lord. And so is this hymn, um, o Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which, which comes from these O antiphons. And so you'd start on the 17th of December, uh, one, and they're all in Latin, and it's a reverse acrostic, okay? In other words, um, the, the word in, in Latin would, would mean, I will come tomorrow. In other words, our Lord Jesus, we anticipate his coming, right? And so it starts with wisdom and moves backwards so that, that Emmanuel would be the last of the seven days. Now, the hymn we sing, um, we sing with the, the Emmanuel stanza first, and then we move through the other six stanzas. And so it's really a wonderful preparation for Christmas. And what I had done for you is to work through, because remember, we're doing the names and titles of Jesus. So we have these seven names and titles of Jesus uh, for the week before Christmas. And then, of course, the 24th, they end on the 23rd. So it really gets you kind of ready for Christmas. It's just a marvelous thing. So, so we're going to work through this rather quickly. Or slowly, depends on your mood. And, and then I also um, beg, borrow, stole this 101 names and titles of, of Jesus. Um, I've got this from a, um, another pastor who got it from another source, obviously. And if we have time, you choose a name and title of Jesus, look at the Bible verse, and maybe I'll, I'll have additional thoughts on, on that. Okay? So um, any questions? that you have right now, things that you want me to address. Okay, so um, to begin, let's, uh, let's just sing this hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because it's a wonderful hymn anyway, right? So let's just sing the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I need somebody with a better tone than I do. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Uh-huh. 
Okay, very good. Oh, housekeeping note. I have my Greek New Testament here and my, my Bible. And since I'm not going back to my office and somebody returned them, just put them on the chair of my office. Thank you very much after Bible class. Okay, so let's look at these. Uh, the first of the days, and, and this would be the S of the, uh, when you say arrow cross, is the, is, the, is, the, is the Latin word, the S, so it's a reverse acrostic, is a wisdom. A wisdom proceeding from the mouth of the Most High, pervading and permeating all creation, mighty, mightily ordering all things, come and teach us the way of prudence. And so we, we have multiple passages right here. The Isaiah 11, 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then Proverbs 8, where, where I, wisdom, dwells prudence and find knowledge and discretion. And then Proverbs 8, we're not going to read the whole passage, but the Proverbs 8, 22 to 31, was universally regarded in the early church as referring to, to Christ. The issue was, the Arian controversy, the Arians thought that, that in terms of wisdom, that being a created thing from, from God, versus the Christians, and Athanasius in particular, saying no, wisdom is God. And, and, so, and so we see, um, and I don't want to go into that, the Arian controversy too much, but, but, but the ancient church regarded Proverbs 8 and, and, and throughout history as referring to the second person of the Trinity in terms of wisdom. But we preach, but then, but then Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and following to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. In other words, Paul is carrying on the ancient tradition um, passed down, down to him. So this is, so, so Christ is the wisdom of, of God, and so this is how we start off this, this um, um, as we approach Christmas at the, at the end of Advent. We move from there to the second day where, where the A would stand for Adonai. The, and we know we've talked about Lord um, as, and, and Adonai, that the Hebrew word for Lord is actually Adonai. O Adonai, ruler of the house of Israel, who appeared to Moses in the burning bush, gave him the law in Sinai, Come with an outstretched arm and redeem us. And we have this. This is mainly taken from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 6. For example, Exodus 6, 2, and 3 is kind of the key verse. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to him. And, and therefore, and in, in the sixth verse, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great acts of judgment. And so this is where the, the text from, from the, the, the hymn as well as the prayer comes from, especially these two verses in Exodus. And you know that Jesus is confessed by Thomas as what? My Lord and my God. And so my Lord and my, my God. The, the third day would be um, Radix, Radix Yesi, um, a root of Jesse, standing as an ensign before the peoples, before whom all kings are mute, to whom the nations do, will do homage. Come quickly to deliver us. Jesus is the root of Jesse. There shall come forth a shoot or root 
from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eye sees or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips. He shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. And so this obviously is pointing ahead to the messianic kingdom, um, never going to be a kingdom on this, on this earth, but the root of Jesse. And so this is referring to David's line is our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. And again, um, Romans 5, 15 quotes this. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles hope. And it's a marvelous passage what Paul is doing uh, as you look at the totality of the book of Romans. We take up the David um, um, line again with the, with the next day on the 20th of December. Key of David, Clavis David, or David, Clavis David, depending on how you do your Latin, right? The key of David, scepter of the house of Israel, you open and no one can close. You close and no one can open. Come and rescue the prisoners who are in darkness and in the shadow of death. And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut. He shall shut and none shall open. In the book of Revelation, the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. Um, okay, and then to the church, especially that, and to Peter, Peter specifically right here, but to the church, um, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, obviously, uh, the pastor who copied these things didn't take out the little footnotes from the, from the website that I borrowed this from. So, um, but the key of David. And so, so Christ opens and no one can shut. Of course, if he shuts, no one else can open. And, and, and so he is the key of David. So I know I'm moving through these rather quickly. Are there any questions or comments? I don't want to move. I, I know I'm moving through them quickly. I was wanting to give you uh, uh, the, there's 101 names. That's why, um, and so I was wanting to do more broadly rather than the in-depth study of each of these days leading up to Christmas. Any questions, comments? Because I'd like to, um, there's so much to this. So, um, so I, I, think, I think it's really important to understand. And, and then, in, in, now obviously, we go and talk about the Office of the Keys right, right now and, and, the, and the authority of the pastor to open and shut um, given to us by our, our Lord, especially in John chapter 20. But that I, I, um, that's really for another study. The, the point right now in all these things is to see um, that the one who is incarnate Christmas that we prepare for as we approach Christmas is really the fulfillment of all the Old Testament. He, he fulfills fully, and the Old Testament points to him, not only specific passages, but the entirety of the Old Testament is pointing to the incarnation and the redemption offered in Christ Jesus. Okay. The 21st of December, day spring. The prayer is this. O day spring, splendor of light everlasting, come and lighten those who sit in darkness, 
and in the shadow of death. Luke chapter 1, we hear, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. Okay, and I, I, I intentionally went to the King James to do this. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge, salvation unto his people by the remission of his sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day sprang from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. In Isaiah 9, 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And so the day spring, this is the, the first light of dawn. And, and we, what's another word for day spring is what? A morning star, right? And what's the great, um, the, the, the queen of Lutheran chorales is what? O morning star, the, 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 this wonderful hymn by Philip Nikolai. And we'll be singing that when? This Saturday. This Saturday for Epiphany. Little advertisement. Epiphany, major holiday, feast day of the church, 6.30. This uh, is coming Saturday. So, O morning star. So, so and, and many of you might have had this experience of, uh, of, um, of a long, maybe sleepless night or, or night when, 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 when despite your prayers, anxiety was upon you and it just seemed so dark and, and stuff like this. And then, and then once you get a little bit of light, you know, and, and so marvelous. Or, and or more positive side is, uh, um, for example, you know, uh, waiting for the dawn, you know, waiting for the first sunrise to come up over, over a lake or the ocean, you know. Um, you know, earlier this year, I was, I was in, you know, my, my mom lives in Savannah, Georgia, so I, I drove out. I caught it really early, drove out and walked to the end of the dock at the, at the beach in, in, in Tybee and saw the, the sunrise over the, over the ocean. It's, kinda, it's, it's just kind of neat to see the sunrise. Or, or, or typically every year my goal is at, at Starved Rock to, to stand on the Starved Rock to see the sunrise. So, um, um, and, 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 it's, and it's marvelous because in lanes, but, but the darkness of sin has been overcome because light has come. And it's our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and of course, that, that we go into John chapter 1 also for that. The 22nd, it was the king of the nations, Rex Gentium. O king of the nations, the ruler they long for, the cornerstone uniting all people, come and save us all, whom you have formed out of clay. Jeremiah chapter 10. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great. Your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? For this is you do. For among... All the wise ones of the nations and all their kingdoms, there's none like you. Then in Revelations chapter 15, and they sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Then Isaiah 28, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes in it will not be in haste. And I could come, keep on going on. But he is the king of the nations, the king of the nations. And of course, we know, uh, for example, um, from the Gospels of, of, um, of Matthew and Luke, what is one of the temptations of Satan that Satan brings? I'll give the nations to you, but the nations aren't, aren't his to give. 
They're always the they're, they're always the Lord's. Now, to an extent, because of sinfulness, the nations are Satan's, obviously, because rulers are, are often uh, unbelievers and act only selfishly out of human pride. But all things belong to the Lord, and he is the king of the nations. In the last day, he will bring peoples, all the nations, and when speak of that, uh, those are believers from all the peoples. They'll all be under him, and such a, such a blessing. And everyone's going to know Jesus as king, Right? last day. So to how will you know him as king? As his faithful subject or as one who opposed him and now the king gives his just, just due, um, not, not reward, but his just due punishment for those who did not acknowledge his kingdom and they were traitors to the king. And then finally, we have the last day of the old antiphons. And again, the, the hymn places this as the first stanza, Emmanuel. O Emmanuel, our Lord and King, the anointed for the nations and their Savior, come and save us, O Lord, our God. From Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Then Matthew chapter 1 specifically quotes this to, as Joseph knows why he should marry, 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 and, and, and notice it's Joseph then who gives him the name Jesus in Matthew 1, uh, 25. And all took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so if you, if you uh, it's very simple Hebrew, you know, it's with us God is, 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 is literally how it's formed. With us God is, 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 the, is the formation of Emmanuel. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. It, no, it's a linguistic difference between Hebrew and Greek. And what? Emmanuel is Greek. I mean, it's, it's Hebrew. So, I mean, it's, it's Emmanuel. But the difference is, is if you look in your Greek New Testament, it's an E. And that's why Matthew 1, it's the, the Greek New Testament, Matthew 1, 23, will be an E, Emmanuel. In the Hebrew... If you bring Hebrew over from Isaiah chapter 7, 14, it's Emmanuel, which is with us, God. From, from Hebrew, it's got a, um, it's a little thing called a hirek under, well, okay, it's underneath the, the, the first letter of Emmanuel. So that's the difference. Now, what the ESV does is just puts the I in both of them. But, but you'll see Emmanuel Lutheran Church with an E, Emmanuel with an I. I my last parish was Emmanuel with an I, which is Isaiah 7, 14. Uh, Matthew 1, 23 will be E with a, uh, that's the Greek New Testament. So, so that's just, it's a, it's a linguistic difference. It's just like, how do you get, um, why is there an S at the end of Jesus' last name, of Jesus, the name of Jesus? Because your nominative in Greek will have an S, you're, and there is no, in Hebrew, you don't need that, there's not nominative. Joshua would just be um, straight with the, the A. So, so it's just a linguistic difference between Hebrew and Greek right there. And so, um, okay, so, and so, um, and so I put some other passages with us from Matthew. Matthew is structurally, I just wanted to kind of show you this in Matthew. You got the structure in Matthew chapter one, call his name Emmanuel because God with us. And specifically Matthew tells us that this baby in Mary's womb is God with us. And Jesus closes the very, the, the gospel, his very last words in the gospel of Matthew is, I will be with you always to the end of the age. 
And then more, and then in the middle, it's a little bit past the halfway part, you have this promise of our Lord Jesus, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with you, right? So, so, this, so Matthew, one possible way of structuring the Gospel of Matthew, and, and, and I don't want to go into the different theories about the Gospel of Matthew, is to look at these three passages, the Emmanuel of chapter 1, I am with you always, and there were two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in your midst, as the promise to his church and to us in the divine service and to those who are hearing the Gospel of Matthew for the first time um, as, as Matthew gives, gives it to them. So I, I just wanted to throw out those passages to you. Now, the beautiful thing is, is, uh, is that this hymn is relatively easy, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And for example, it, it's very simple, and it may, maybe we could do it in our preschool next year. Um, all of our three-year-olds, my last parish, and we, we just worked with them a few weeks. It took no time at all to teach them the first stanza of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel in Latin. It was kind of fun to, to hear our little three-year-olds and all the way. Our whole Sunday school sang O Come, O Come, Emmanuel in, in, in Latin. Our whole Sunday school sing Stile Nacht, the first stanza in German. And it's you know, relatively easy to teach them. And they all loved it. They all loved just, they, they thought it was the biggest thing in the world. Here, this three-year-old learning to sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel in Latin. They, thought, they just ate it up. And so it's it kind of cool. Um, and so it's just, it's just nice to, uh, and, and of course, every language is, is different. It's just kind of um, neat to look at, at all these languages. Okay. The names and titles of Jesus. Obviously, all I've given you right now, and, and the reason I wanted to re redo this and actually do it on this day is, one, I put a lot of work into this. Trying to look at these passages. But I thought maybe as you prepare for Christmas next year, that by having the sheet, it would be a blessing to you. So as you prepare that last week before Christmas, you'd be focusing on, on the advent of your king. I will come tomorrow. Who is coming? The wisdom, the, the, the Lord, the, 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 um, um, the root of Jesse, the key of David, the, the morning star, the, um, the king of the nations, and Emmanuel, our Lord with us as you lead up to, to Christmas. And so, so I, I, gave, I give this to you as a resource, but our, there's many other names and titles of Jesus. We've got about 15 minutes. Um, look at the sheet. Let's look at some other names and titles of Jesus. I can choose them. I mean, it's not a problem for me. Questions, comments? Or and any questions or comments you have about that or about, about uh, 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 Christmas? Uh, I, uh, it's interesting vocabulary. It's a vocabulary. I, I uh, you know, um, I was listening to this podcast and they said, did you have a nice Christmas? Okay, and, and they talked about dinner. They talked about presents. What didn't they talk about? Fine. Jesus. They there was no mention of Jesus. It was just kind of a, it's kind of, they were just kind of, you know, and, and the vocabulary, did you have a nice Christmas? They're referring to some sort of events where some sort of people that they knew gathered together on the 24th or the 25th, and there's no Jesus over this, as opposed to um, the blessing of continuing to be in Christmas and, and, and that our Lord is always the incarnate one for you and me, and we're still in Christmas. And so, in fact, today is we're just now barely over the halfway mark of Christmas, and yet I notice some of my neighbors have already taken their lights down, et cetera, like this. So, and I don't, okay, I don't want to criticize them too much because maybe the schedule, maybe they're leaving for Florida or going on vacation, but it's just something like this. Keith, good question. You just hit on that. I was going to ask, uh, um, 
after Halloween, beginning of November, mid-November, how many folks have got those declarations yeah, yeah. up and they're actually on and working yeah. and then bam, the day after, yeah. so many folks take the stuff down Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's gone, and of course, and, and Advent has been, is Advent's almost been completely lost as a season of preparation and repentance for our sins. Why does the Lord become incarnate for you and me? It's because I am a lost and condemned what creature? Okay, I go go back to the old. I am a lost and condemned sinner. I'm not, and and I need God to become incarnate for me because it, just a man cannot save me, but God incarnate dying on the cross and does and will save me forever and ever. And so we've lost kind of Advent. I notice on, on one thing, so I like to pull up these things on, on YouTube and listen to some good Christmas music. I notice that some of the Christmas music that the, that the formal concert was, was, was actually before the first Sunday in Advent. You know, so what's going on here? I know, I know part of it is, is college break, so if they, if they give the whole month of December off, they, they want to get their choirs in, but which is kind of unusual. How the world always wants to do things, but then the world puts it aside, right? You know, almost as quickly, the world doesn't even want to dwell on things, does it? I mean, it just, it just wants to kind of move on, move on. And that's, of course, driven by our consumer society, a lot of it, right? Because stores need something else to sell. Now it's Valentine's, right? Yeah. Except, in, you know, the one exception to that is what? The food section, because you still have bowl games and then, then, then you have the Super Bowl because we have to sell, sell um, Doritos and we have to sell beer, right? So, so okay. Yes. Yes, Tim. Yes. Yeah, Yahweh, well, it's interesting because yeah, you come here a little bit later in the class. So, so, so in the Hebrew, um, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites, so respected the name Yahweh. And you see this, that, that they refused to say the name. They said the word Lord instead. And so in our, in our English Old, Old Testaments, wherever you see the Lord capitalized, that really is Yahweh behind that. There's an interesting article. I haven't come to... to, to to read it yet, I came across it uh, last last month in, in kind of preparation. It's kind of a longer article where this this Old Testament scholar kind of argues against. Um, um, he would argue actually to say the name Yahweh rather than the same Lord. But typically in our English New Testaments, we always have Lord. I haven't read the article yet, so I don't know his complete argumentation. Then I'll 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 kind of go back and forth with some of my Old Testament scholars that I that I'm friends with. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about, I'm going to talk to them about that, you know, cause, but, but I didn't read the article yet, you know, it's an it's a Old Testament scholar, you know, who argues about to actually say the name Yahweh, but instead what we have in our Old Testament is Lord, L-O-R-D, and, and earlier I pointed out that there is one verse, for example, Psalm 110 verse 1, where it says, the Lord said to my Lord, where you actually see Yahweh is, the, is behind the first Lord, and Adonai is behind the second Lord right there. So, so the excellent point, though, is, uh, is, is to say Yahweh, and, and that's what Thomas is saying when he says, my Lord and my God. He is claiming to another Jewish man who's in the flesh, risen from the dead, you are Yahweh, and, and you're Elohim, which is, Thomas, dude, you are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, and which, which leads us 
to what we confess whenever we confess, especially the Nicene Creed. God of God, light of light, very God of very God. Begotten what? Not made. Being of what? One substance with the Father by whom all things were made. And then it goes for us men and for our salvation. So, yes, Harvey. I just wanted to add to that. Uh, somewhere I read years ago that the Jewish people originally said Yahweh. It was only a later development in Judaism closer to the time of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. They got this super you know, idea that, oh, we can't yeah. say those things. And, so that's what and, that, and that's... That's what where this one author might be. I I don't know, you know. Um, I and and again, I I'll, I'll have to do that. Although I do know that that for example, the pointing of the the Hebrew text, and I don't think the Masoretes were original in doing that. In other words, the Mas the, the my Hebrew Bible, if you look at my office, has a pointing system that was developed later on, obviously post New Testament. I will admit that, but I don't know that the Masoretes develop their pronunciation post-New Testament or, or were they reflecting a pronunciation earlier? And the pronunciation, whenever you come to the word Yahweh, the, the, the letters, the, the pointing underneath is indicating to you to say Adonai. And so, so I don't know. In other words, my knowledge of Hebrew is just is, 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 a, is a limited knowledge of Hebrew. And, and, and and so I might, like I said, I'm going to do some more research on, on this. It's kind of a fun thing. You know, what do pastors do at night? They read theology, you know, so it's a, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it, it's it's now, well. Yeah, and it's. Yeah. So, and and these questions are uh, and okay, these are actually excellent questions uh, to to work with because the the issue of the Septuagint versus Masoretic text versus um, are there other texts behind some of the quotes. When you see, and or, for example, when you see a quote, are they quoting, are they meaning to quote exactly, or are they tailoring it to make the, to show that the Old Testament is pointing ahead to Jesus? These are always some of the questions behind this. Yes, go ahead. Henry. Did they ask me in church why we bow, like in the Nicene Creed? Yes, why we bow, and uh, we specifically, you know, when you start bowing is a, is a question, but, but most especially, you will find a universal bowing um, is a historic practice. Of, and was made man. Now I, who for, uh, uh, came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Virgin Mary, and was made man. And then you raise up. You don't raise up because you never bow to Caesar. I will not bend the knee to Caesar. I will not uh, to obey God rather than men, right? But why do we do this? Well, if God becomes man, isn't this a reason for us to bow? And so, and so, and to kneel. And actually, you know, um, this is the deepest bow you do during service. You know, there was a bow at the, at the it's doxology. The deepest bow is to be and was made and was made and was made man. Um, it's just to honor Christ. Of course, there's this semi-apocryphal story of the devil and somebody didn't bow uh, at, at who was made man and the devil. 
boom, you know, hits him and says, you know, if, if uh, you know, here you are, uh, you say Jesus is the Son of God, you don't bow to him, who do you think, or except the pastor, is that, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we, we do it to, to honor honor the Lord. You know, we you know motions carry and and we see in our secular society, for example, standing upright, putting your hand over your heart. When, for example, we say the pledge of allegiance or or for the national anthem. You know, motions and and some of this indicate something. And also puts you in a right right frame of mind. So so making the sign of the cross, you know, you know, bowing at the doxology, bowing at the Nicene Creed. These are all motions that 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 involve the whole person. So that you're, you're acknowledging before the Lord, and also our posture before the Lord, um, acknowledging Him as as Lord and as the incarnate one at this point in time. Um, you know, I got like a couple minutes here. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, pretty much it's just that and made was made made man.
And so we have so much to speak about. Uh, and and uh, 